At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Alpine Bank. 50 years young, 20 years green. Proud to support Parched from Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about Alpine Bank's history of community service and its green team at alpinebank.com. I got the news alert this week. Maybe just like you did on your phone. It said there was a new historic deal to keep the Colorado River from going dry. I put my coffee down and opened the story. It would be a really big deal if it were true. I read the story, then I started making calls. And the more I found out, the more I understood this news is not what it seems. The biggest Colorado River users have agreed to use less water for a few years. But that's hardly the whole story. From CPR News, this is Parched, a podcast about people who rely on the river that shaped the West and have ideas to save it. I'm Michael Elizabeth Sackis. This is a bonus episode. Next week, we'll be back with more stories like you've heard so far in this show about people and places along the river. But this week, in this bonus episode, you'll get a breakdown of the news about the Colorado River that's grabbing headlines across the country. Stick with us for these few minutes to hear how this front page news affects you and the solutions we're exploring on Parched. I talked all this through with my colleague at CPR News, Ryan Warner. The national news media and the Biden administration are framing this as a historic deal to save the river. I understand you're here to throw some cold water on that. Yes, I know. I wish I was here to tell you that our water future is totally secure now, but alas. So let me explain. This agreement involves Arizona, California, and Nevada. And they're saying, we'll use a certain amount less water over the next few years. And that's good, because all the water that starts as snow up in the Rockies gets shared among Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, 30 indigenous tribes, and the states downriver. Yeah, the ones you mentioned. Mm -hmm. If those downstream states use less, More water can stay in Lake Mead and Lake Powell, the country's two largest reservoirs. And that's needed because they're supposed to be filled with Colorado River water, but they are both sitting near record lows right now. And that's jeopardizing hydropower production and the drinking water supply for millions of people. But there are a lot of unanswered questions about the proposal from the downriver states. Okay, Arizona, California, Nevada. So, yeah, what's unclear here? First of all, this is just a proposal. And the other states that use the river say they don't even really know what the details of this proposal are yet. So Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming 
will have to understand what's being proposed before they fully agree to this plan themselves. As the upriver states. And the feds have to have a say in this, no? Yeah, they need to analyze it to see if it will save enough water over the next few years to avoid immediate catastrophe. Do we have any idea right now if they're even in the right territory for cuts? The amount of water they agreed to save is about a third of what the Fed said we'd all need to save to keep these big reservoirs from hitting critically low levels. How does this check out then? This comes after a pretty wet winter and spring. So we have more of a water cushion right now than we thought we would when those predictions were set. Aha. So we don't know yet whether this agreement is actually enough because we don't know how much rain or snow we'll get next winter or the next. But really big picture, I caught up with a scientist who studies the Colorado River who said it might get us through the next few years. He's cautious for sure. Mm -hmm. And he said it definitely won't solve the problem long term. And again, the bigger problem is we have fewer wet years than we're used to, more dry years, and we are overusing the Colorado River. And we're not cutting greenhouse gas emissions enough to reverse these trends. The river and its reservoirs have a massive water debt, and it's going to take a lot more than one wet year to make it whole. Okay, this agreement among California, Arizona, Nevada could potentially save enough water to buy the states more time to figure out a longer term plan. Michael, do you know how they'll use less water and like who in those states will use less water over the next few years? It's likely that most of the solutions that we've been exploring on Parched will contribute to the water savings that states are agreeing to. Okay, We're not going to build a pipeline from the Mississippi in the next three years. Mm -hmm. But using less water in cities and on farms certainly will be part of this. As soon as this summer, more Arizona and California cities may impose restrictions on when people can water grass outside, for an example. But what about the people who grow our food? So like beyond lawns and, you know, nuts and beef and avocados. Farmers may skip certain plantings and get paid to do that. And Agriculture actually uses about 80% of the Colorado River. So soon you'll hear episodes of parts that are focused on how farmers can be paid to use less water or paid to make their water use more efficient. We'll also explore ideas around recycling our water to make it go further. Oh, this is like gray water. Right, gray water and wastewater. And all of these ideas take money, money to pay farmers not to plant, money to build water treatment facilities, money to pay people to take out their grass. That's a key part of this potential deal. In exchange for using less water, states could get more than a billion dollars in federal grants from the Inflation Reduction Act and the infrastructure law, which is super helpful to get people to raise their hands to say, hey, I'll use less water. After a quick break, I'll explain more about what this means for Colorado. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Romberg. I help make this podcast and lots of other shows at Colorado Public Radio. If you're enjoying Parched and you're thinking about what to listen to next, we've got some suggestions. Terra Firma explores the great outdoors. Robin's song is the sound my great-grandmothers and their great-grandmothers knew. Ghost Train looks at how to make public transportation work better. If we really want a better city, a better world, we have to change. My Story So Far is a podcast where people share their personal stories live and on stage. I don't want to bash my father's cooking, but there was no enchiladas, there was no rice, not even any beans. Like, come on. Find these shows in your favorite podcast app or visit CPR.org slash podcasts. Support for this show comes from Alpine Bank. 50 years young, 20 years green. Proud to support Parched from Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about Alpine Bank's history of community service and its green team at alpinebank.com. On Parched so far, you have not talked much about all of these negotiations among the states. We are, though, in this conversation, making some room for this kind of horse trading now. Yeah, we wanted to explain this development this week because it's all over the news and the back and forth between the states and the federal government has been building up to this moment for about a year now. California and Arizona in particular were under a lot of pressure from the Biden administration, who was pretty much threatening them, saying the feds would impose water cuts on those states pretty soon if they didn't come up with their own plan. So now they have. Michael, can you say more about what this means for the states that are not a part of this proposal? I am selfishly thinking of Colorado, but also our friends in Utah, Wyoming, New Mexico. Yeah, there are a few ways to look at it from the states in the Rocky Mountains. First, these states haven't had to agree to do anything differently yet because there's not nearly as much pressure on them. But long term, absolutely. All seven states and Mexico are in this together. And that's a second way to look at this agreement among the downriver states. It could be good news for the Rocky Mountain region that uses the Colorado River. Because if this plan goes through, the states upriver could get a few more years of certainty that they won't be forced to cut back themselves. Mm -hmm. That means they can more easily develop housing, sign on to energy projects, which need water, or plant fields more reliably. What's Colorado's approach specifically? The tack that Colorado is taking now is this. Let's review the plan those hotter, bigger states have come up with. And at the same time, let's start focusing on what happens after 2026. Wait, and if, what, what's 2026? Right. If you're wondering why 2026, that's an arbitrary deadline based on some past agreements about the Colorado River. Okay. The date 2026 isn't really important in terms of how much water we have, but it's a deadline for what could be some uglier more consequential negotiating about how much we all have to cut back in the future. Now, we've heard your reporting that farms in Arizona and California feed us here in Colorado and the whole country. Is that going to be affected if those states have less water in the next couple of years? It's too early to say, but we did talk with a regional farming leader in southern Arizona this week. He lives around Yuma 
And even with the potential water cuts, he thinks they'll still be able to deliver all the lettuces and salad greens that people are used to seeing in grocery stores and in restaurants. Okay, I take some relief in that. So bottom line, how can I understand the news this week? Like in the, I don't know, in the big picture? Well, It's taken almost a year from when the feds first threatened to force people to use less water to get to a point where these three states are agreeing on how much less to use. And this isn't even finalized yet. If I've learned anything by digging deeply into the history and future of the Colorado River, It's that our backs really need to be up against the wall for the states and the feds to make any sort of big decisions. And that has some climate scientists worried. If the people in charge of our water can't make more proactive investments in technology and proactive policies to cut down our water use, then we're really at the whims of Mother Nature. And wet years like the one we're experiencing don't come around as often as they used to. Hmm. Michael, thanks so much for the perspective. That's a conversation I had with my CPR colleague, Ryan Warner, about the news of an agreement that could dictate who's cutting back on their Colorado River use over the next few years. Next week, Parched will be back to its regular programming on our road trip around the Southwest, You'll hear how individual homes and whole cities can make our water supplies go further. It's just the kind of idea that could be replicated to make the Southwest water supplies sustainable over the long term. Hey, it's Michael. Thanks for listening to Parched. I have another show I know you'll love. Ghost Train is about an ambitious plan for commuter rail in Colorado, how it got sidetracked, and where Denver and other cities might go from here. It's a question facing cities across the country. Find Ghost Train wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Alpine Bank. 50 years young, 20 years green. Proud to support Parched from Colorado Public Radio. Learn more about Alpine Bank's history of community service and its green team at alpinebank.com.